Hello gamers and welcome to Is This Game Queer? I'm your host Leo and I love video games and overthinking things. In this episode we face the murk as we answer the question Is Yonder the Cloudcatcher Chronicles queer? As usual, warning for spoilers for the story of the game. Yonder the Cloudcatcher Chronicles is an open-world adventure game by Prideful Sloth that was released in 2017 and is available on PC, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch and Xbox One. For this review, I played the game on Nintendo Switch. In Yonder, you explore the land of Genea, which has been taken over by the dark and destroying Merc. You find sprites that hide everywhere on the island, use them to reclaim the lost land, repair farms, meet cute animals, and help people with their problems. Your ultimate goal is to remove all the Merc from the land and return it to its former glory. First off, the good. Yonder is a very peaceful game, with no rush or time pressure to pretty much anything. While some of the quests are tied to certain seasons, the seasons are very short and will come around again in no time, so there is no need to rush through the quests. Everything about Yonder follows this low-pressure model. You can rebuild farms and grow crops or adopt animals there, but these farms will continue production without any further input from you. The only thing that does require attention is cleaning up after the animals, and you can easily hire farmhands to take care of that for you. The game features several forms of collectibles, the main one being the different sprites that you find around the island, one of which you can have as your companion that shows up whenever you use the sprite abilities. Another big collectible are cats, which are hiding everywhere on the island and you have to find 50 of them for a quest, though this quest is an optional side task and does not need to be done if you absolutely hate the idea of finding cute little cats. Unlike most open world games, Yonder does not have any kind of combat or even a health system, even when falling from great heights the player character will simply float down slowly with the help of the parasol. As such, it offers a nice, low-pressure alternative to many other open-world games while still featuring the questing, collecting and crafting aspects of those games. Then, they're not so good. At first, I thought the economy system of Yonder was quite interesting. There is no actual currency, aside from old kingdom coins, which can only be used at certain traders. 
but everything is still shown to have a gold value when you are dealing with a trading NPC. However, this does not work in the long run, especially since your inventory space is limited. As you can't convert any junk into money, you will have to carry everything around until you find a use for it, or store it at your farm chest, which is obviously not always available. You also can't just stack everything in the chest, because you will need to have some kind of valuables to trade for things that you might need, and if you are only carrying things you can't lose, well, then you have nothing to offer to the traders. Another thing that makes the inventory space more of a problem is the multi-layered crafting system. While it's hardly unique to have crafting things require other crafted items as their ingredients, in Yonder most of the recipes also require one or more of toolkits specific to that profession, which are consumed on use. As such, you will need to first make toolkits for the ingredients, then more toolkits to use those ingredients to cover more items, and sometimes there are two or three layers to this, and every single step requires toolkits, which are of course crafted items on their own, so more than once I was sure I had enough rocks or wood or whatever for a quest, only to realize that most of those were used up simply crafting the toolkits before I even got onto the actual crafting part. Furthermore, while you can craft most things in the game eventually, once you unlock the recipes, there are some things that can only be done at specific places on the map, such as making planks from wood or making clay pots from clay. I really don't see the reason for this, because it's not like it's any more, well, realistic that you would need sawmill to make planks from wood when you can still build stone archers and pillars in your little crafting interface, without needing a specific masonry building for that. It really just seems like busy work and more locations to visit, which gets especially annoying when some of these locations aren't named on the map. I spent way too much time trying to remember which of those tiny little villages had the sawmill and then trying to find my way there. Finding my way was a problem more than once, because the open world, while pretty, is sometimes pretty hard to navigate, especially when there are several tunnels and crevices and hills that seem like they should link up, but don't. An added problem is the fact that different map objectives will only appear once you are close enough. So, many times there were places I didn't even realize I had missed until I went just a bit further on the map and noticed an icon in a corner of the map that I thought was just empty space. While this does add to the exploration aspect of the game, 
sometimes it's just annoying. It took me way too long to find the way to the mountain village. Far too long considering the path was apparently surrounded by fiery statues that I somehow just didn't see running around the mountain over and over again. It's not just places that can be hard to find. The main collectible in the game besides sprites are cats. The game advises you to follow their sounds to find them, which turns out to be pretty important. Considering there were times when I didn't see a cat at all until I was trying to pick up a foraging item, only to find that I had actually clicked on a cat instead. They are very small and often blend with their surroundings. I did find a few of these cats by following the sound of their meows, but this obviously wouldn't be an option for anyone who for one reason or another can't have the sound on or even loud enough to hear them from a distance. Also, the moment you interact with a cat, it disappears, so you don't really even get the satisfaction of petting or even admiring a cute cat in its environment, when sometimes you don't even realize it was there before it's already gone. It seems like a waste of a cute cat collecting system if you don't at least give me the option to pet them. And finally, the queer. There is no romance in the game, aside from a few NPCs who are apparently couples. However, the way the player character is designed and the way it's customized is very interesting. While you do have to pick your gender in the starting screen, that choice really makes very little difference besides the starting outfit and, well, perhaps some slight differences in the face shape. I honestly did not see the difference, but I found a thread by the dev saying that would be there depending on your choice. Aside from that starting screen, the player character's gender does not come up ever. Even in text passages referencing the player, they are only called child or other gender-neutral terms. Also, the player character is highly customizable, with plenty of clothes that do not have any stat differences, so you can pick them solely based on their appearance, different hairstyles, and eventually even facial hair which you can change and dye at any time during the game. None of these options are tied to your chosen gender or otherwise locked out, depending on your presentation or other choices in the game. In the Halloween quest, the outfits are named by the monster they are supposed to resemble, namely a witch and a vampire butler. And while the witch does look slightly more feminine and the vampire butler more masculine, neither of these is tied to your starting gender 
and in fact you can mix and match the pieces of these outfits just like you can any of the other clothing. In fact, the quest that unlocks the facial hair choices involves you making a beard-growing potion for a female NPC who dreams of growing a most magnificent beard. As the potion works, she is visibly happy about her quite impressive beard and gives you the ability to grow your own, again, regardless of your chosen gender. In fact, I really don't get why the choice was there at all, since, as far as I can tell, it makes absolutely no difference while you are playing the game. It almost feels like the choice was given there because the developers thought it was an expected part of customizing your own character, and honestly, it could be removed without changing anything about the game at all. As such, while the game does make you choose male or female, if you can get past that screen, you can make your character anything you want, change them anytime you want, and if you want to dance around the island in a floral skirt with a big bushy beard, you can. And nobody will ever find you weird or strange for it. This kind of freedom, which should be pretty simple, is sadly not often found in games. And honestly, I would like to see this openness extended to more games. All in all, Yonder is a very relaxing and peaceful take on the open world genre. If you enjoy exploration at your own pace, with no pressure and especially no combat or actual threats, it's worth checking it out. Also, if you'd like to take on fantasy quests and collect cute kitty cats while changing your character's presentation anytime at all, well, that's another reason why you might want to check out Yonder, the Cloudcatcher Chronicles. As usual, thank you for listening to me ramble on about Yonder. And happy pride!